the rest of it was really, I mean, I, I certainly hadn't done anything in the realms of production or manufacturing. So for me, I, I thought it would take about three months to make this globe. And uh, it took close to two years. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel, and this is a podcast about companies and individuals that are doing really exciting things in the geospatial world. Today I'm talking to Peter Bellaby from Bellaby & Co. Globes. They make, in my humble opinion, the best globes in the world. And uh, Peter's really great, genuine person and had a, uh, a lot of great comments and interesting things to say about the globe-making industry. Hope you enjoy the show. So welcome, Peter. Thank you so much for for coming, uh, for agreeing, I should say, to talk to me. I really appreciate it. And maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a Globemaker. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So, um, yeah, my name's Peter Bellaby. I set up um, a company um, around about 10 years ago. Um, but it's um, it's such a random story. I I didn't really set up a company at all i had this idea that i wanted to get my dad a good present for his upcoming 80th birthday and for me that was a globe and so i spent six months or longer looking for a decent model that i thought would um thought would work and failed and so um in a moment of madness or naivety or stupidity uh, i thought i would make him a globe um and had you, that, uh, had you tried anything sorry. like that before are you a cartographer or a, a gis person or a geographer no so so my my background is kind of relatively mixed i've worked in television i've worked in um in hospitality um i've worked in property developing but no i've got no um, well, my geography background would be that I studied it up until the age of 18. So I took it to a reasonably high level, but not to a massive level. But you, for to construct a globe, you, you don't really need to know um, a great deal about geography. It's useful to know countries and capitals because you, you have issues with software. But beyond that, you don't need to know that much. I did have, as a child, I had a lot of experience with making and uh, my parents would probably interject here and destroying every single toy I was ever given. Um, and so I kind of, construction wasn't something that phased me. And the rest of it was really, I mean, I, I certainly hadn't done anything in the realms of production or manufacturing. So for me, I, I thought it would take about three months to make this globe. And uh, it took close to two years. <laughs> Did you two years? That's that's commitment. That's very very impressive. Did your father get the globe in the end? Was it a product you were proud? Yeah. Um, yeah. He he got it kind of um, a few months short of his eighty third birthday, I think, in the end. So um, he didn't he didn't even get the first one. I was so um, I obviously spent a ridiculous amount of money at this stage on doing this. And I needed to sell a few to actually be able to afford to afford to give him his one. I'm assuming that you've refined the globe making process a little bit more today. Can you give us an idea of, of what the process looks like from start to finish? Yeah, well, so um, we obviously have we 
make advancements all the time. We perfect things all the time. We, I guess I got to a certain level after a couple of years and then um, we just refined and refined and refined. But the, the process needs to be broken down. So when you're making a globe, you're obviously making a sphere and you're then creating the world to go around that sphere. When you um, finish that, it will then sit either within a base or on top of a base. We've perfected this really cool way of displaying a globe where it can sit on roller bearings. Um, so it can be spun in multi-direction. Fantastic. So do you actually make, do you make the sphere yourself? Is that something that happens in your factory? So uh, originally when I started, I would make everything myself, um, aside from the brass meridians, which obviously I had to get cast in a foundry. Uh, these days, because we are, because of the volume we are at, um, it's something that we outsource. It's potentially something in the future that we will bring back in house. But it's one of those things as you're as you're building up a company, certain things require that they be stay in house, and certain things require that they go out of house. And as as you grow, obviously, if we were twenty times bigger, everything would be in house. So there are various times when you make decisions on what can be made in-house and what can be made out-of-house, but um, all our spheres at the moment are made out-of-house. I guess it's really important to, to let the listeners know that it's not, when I say factory, it's not a factory where there's a whole bunch of machines stamping out globes. Can you t- can you tell us more about the process, the, the, the actual, because they're yeah. handmade, aren't they? They're all made by hand. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, I guess we kind of call it a studio. Um, it's kind of it's a very it's a beautiful studio that I'm very lucky to have in North London um, where we where we construct the globes. It's kind of the whole process. So once you have a sphere, you will then um, prepare that sphere to enable you to um, measure correctly so that you can apply the map to the sphere. But the process, I suppose, starts with a customer commissioning a globe. We then will go through different edits because um, 95% of customers will personalize a globe. So they might add on a small town or village or several. They might add on a few illustrations. Um, We then will, um, once that's all confirmed, we will then print out the map. Um, We have two huge printers where we do that. Then the process starts of the map going between the globe maker and the painter. So it'll go to the globe maker who will cut um, with a scalpel the map um, out so that um, fits the, so it makes the perfect shapes, which are called gauze, which fit on a globe. So they're obviously um, wide at the equator and thin down towards the poles. Um, these are then initially painted by the painters. They will, to start with, they will paint the oceans. Um, which is a there's a technical reason behind that, um, which I, I guess I can go into. It's essentially because the ocean is so large and it's um, it's a continuous body. If you were to put the entire map onto a sphere, you would start painting, for instance, in the middle of the Pacific, and then you'd have to have one because we're using watercolors and you can't let them dry quickly, and because we're using a sphere. Um, you would kind of have one painter going um, 
from the Pacific down to the South Pacific, one going swinging round Australia, one swinging round Cape Horn, another one going up into the North Pacific, going into the Arctic Ocean, down into the Atlantic. It would be a nightmare. So we paint the oceans first. Um, when the strips of map, be it 12, 24 or 48, are flat on, um, on a flat surface. Then once the painter has done that, um, the globe maker um, will then apply those sets of, uh, those gauze to the sphere. This is the really difficult thing to work out. So when, when we get new trainees, it takes a minimum of six months for them to learn how to apply 12 bits of paper to a 23 centimeter sphere. And that's a, so much dedication. I, I'm so lucky I have an amazing team, but to can you imagine um, doing something every single day and failing at it for six months? Um, and in the last two months, you're kind of almost there, but you're just not there. And you don't know what what is wrong. You don't know what to do to make it work. And that's the process I went through over the two years of working it out to begin with, that's something that um, it just is a matter of time. But then for some people, it's it's not even a matter of time. For some people, it's, it's unachievable. It's You really need to have amazing motor skills to do that, that part. Once that has been done, um, so that's applying the, the map, uh, the pieces of map to the sphere, it then goes back to the painting department. Um, and there are, there are like um, 10, people who paint and in fact it's the biggest team that we have because it's it's the process that now takes the longest um, on a Churchill globe for instance a large 50 inch globe it can take four weeks to paint in um, the detail so people will uh, or we will we will paint um, around the coastline um, and you just have to do it in little one inch sections because it's um, it's the way watercolors work um, and the fact that you're painting with watercolors on a spherical canvas means that you you just have to do small sections um, at a time so that that's the, the long process once that's all been done we then will go through various stages of drying and adding um, varnishes to protect it before it then marries up with its base, which has been made by the woodwork team um, simultaneously. Okay, ju just to clarify, when you say paint, uh, my understanding was that you'd made the map, you'd print it off, you lay it on the table, and then you paint it as, uh, the, you, when you print the map, there's no colors on it, or, or how do, is the painting just to highlight certain sections of it? So we are making what is defined as a printed globe. So we print all the, coastlines, all the uh, cartography, um, all the wording, that's all printed. Um, but it's in it's pretty much in black and white. We use blues and we use dark browns and, and purples and things. But on the whole, that's, um, that's in outline. So once it um, goes through the painting process, that's when we add the colour. So um, all the colour you see on the globes, once you're five feet away, is applied by hand. And that is incredible. Like, now I've seen a few photos of uh, of the work that you you do, and that must be what well, obviously is quite an undertaking to do that. Yeah, I mean it's and it's a really skilled job. The 
the team I have are amazing, and they 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 obviously learn uh, when they first come in. They will start painting a small globe, and and they obviously go up to larger and larger globes. But it, it's it's quite a stressful thing to do, and they well, not stressful. It's that's the wrong word, but they 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 really concentrate incredibly hard because um, obviously they don't want to make a mistake. If they make a mistake, they have to give it back to the globe makers who will have to take a panel off and then that will have to be reapplied. And equally, there's no, um, they don't want to make a mistake. It's obviously, um, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. But it, when you come to the studio, it's quite amazing that there are so many people so focused on what they're doing, not talking, not making any sounds. Sometimes some of them have um, headphones on with podcasts or things going on, but on the whole, it's a very quiet, um, highly concentrated environment. I mean, I I often say if I'd concentrated this hard when I was at school, I actually would have got decent exam results. <laughs> I, I have to say that's one of the things I, I did notice in the few videos that I've seen of your workshop, it's actually surprising, even just calling it a workshop, that there's no machines in there, there's no computers, there's no screens, and there's uh, these gauze hanging down from the ceiling, and it looks like a real artist's studio. I mean, it is an artist's studio. There are um, there are screens there. We do, um, we kind of hide them behind plants and things. Um, and obviously, we have a full, um, wood workshop downstairs but that's kind of um luckily there's a quite a thick wall between the noisy machines that are going on behind there but it, it's still a creative artistic studio it's not like a a big factory churning out um a ton of things each each item is made one at a time there's no there's no real economies of scale in anything we're doing it's all everything is bespoke everything's done one at a time there's no there's no time where you really think oh hey if i do um 10 of these at once it'll save me time because it's it's all one-offs um which is a wonderful thing and we're really lucky to um to be in this situation yeah yeah it, it really is a wonderful thing and it's actually quite different can when you think about the way the rest of the world is going where it's it's more hurry up how can we go the, how can we do this faster how can we do it better how can we be more efficient how can we digitize things and as like i say if we get back to this workshop the pictures and videos i've seen of it it's, it's quite incredible no machines stamping out huge volumes of things it, it looks like a whole bunch of artists working patiently on a craft Absolutely, but I—I I mean, I'll—I'll I'll take you up on that though. I, I think that at the moment there's a real desire for um, more things like this. Um, there are many things um, now that people are just getting more into the construction of things and how things are made and what they have in their house. They're not buying. Um, in the way they did in the kind of noughties where they would um, be buying tons of stuff and just filling their rooms with junk. Um, maybe that sounds wrong. Maybe filling their rooms with, with things that really don't mean that much to them. People are, I think are, are being more picky about what they want to um, decorate their homes with, what they want to, to see on a daily basis. And I think that's, um, 
that obviously is helping us as a yeah absolutely and i think too there there will always be a certain um piece of the market that's looking for a high-end product and looking for a story as well and looking for a craft and an, an art so so definitely yeah and i'm really pleased to to hear that you're experiencing that that there are people out there and that they are keeping this industry alive yeah i mean it's great it's kind of uh, i it was wonderful for me in, in a way to be able to um, to help get this industry back on track because it in globe making they're really there are there are other companies in several other countries around the world making globes but just no one was really taking it um to the correct level they were they've been making fully fully printed with all the colors printed globes and they just um they sit awkwardly um in in the environment they're in you would see them in people's houses you'd see them in shops and you would kind of look at a quite a nicely constructed um, base that the globe is sitting in and then this really brightly colored thing in the middle and, and it's been it's so nice that, that we are able to um, do such an such a or I'm so lucky that we are able to be making such an amazing product and and one that um, I have I have people um, who find us and they tell me they've been hunting decades that's, that's incredible that that really is incredible speaking of which so your customers where, where do they come from are they is it a certain country you ship most of your globes to or, or do you can you see that there's more activity or traffic from from certain markets we i guess we have we create our own pr and publicity we don't advertise as such we we get pr and different um in different media and that to an extent um drives our well that, that not to an extent that drives our sales uh i guess on the whole our biggest um our biggest country is the us but um we sell them all over the world we sold them to uh, i don't know i should actually know how many countries we've sold them to and this will remind me to go to work and and actually calculate but We've sent them to Tahiti. We've sent them to um, pretty much every Southern America. Well, we've sent them to every Southern American country. We've sent them to most Asian countries. Um, we're quite thin on the ground in, in Africa, I guess. But, um, but we have one of our largest globes, a Churchill globe in Kenya. Um, and yeah, we, we really sell them everywhere. So we've talked a little bit about the globe making process and who buys them and the, the kind of market and the industry that you're in. Could you give us an idea of, um, well, not give us an idea, but where do you get your data from? And how has that changed over time? If I look at, I'm thinking specifically about border disputes, for example, around China would be a great one. So when someone orders a globe, do they, yeah. if they come from one of these areas, or do they ever consider that? Do they go on and say, I would like the border to look like this? Or do you, do you even have borders on your globes? Yeah, no, we do have, we do have borders. Um, this is a wonderful minefield of, of things going on here. The, um, I've had a fantastic conversation with someone from the United Nations a few years ago who looked at um, my globe and said, this isn't how we um, do things. And I, I then spun the globe to Taiwan and looked at them and said, so, so what is this little island here? And um, 
Obviously, the UN doesn't recognize Taiwan, even though Taiwan is a fully functioning state, um, fully functioning in every way, it's an independent country. But um, we actually recognize each country as that country wants to be recognized. Um, because every country has their own version of the world. Um, it just highlights today with things going on in Ukraine how most of the world don't recognize that Crimea um, is within Russia, but um, for Russians, um, I guess it was taken or it was given away stupidly after the war and now that it's been annexed um, and back in Russia, it's um, one of those things that's important that is um, kept within Russia uh, or that's uh, denoted within Russia, um, within Russian borders. And so we, we can, for disputed borders, um, that, that's kind of an easy sit on the fence situation. There are, there's a disputed border in, well, there are so many disputed borders you wouldn't actually probably know about. There are many out there, but there's quite an interesting one um, between India and Pakistan. And we've had um, the first globe we sent out to India actually got returned because, um, because we had the border noted as a disputed border. Um, and indeed, I can do six months in prison for having incorrect information um, on a globe going to India. Um, so people do ask for things to be denoted differently but equally we kind of when we're selling into certain markets we change the globe so that we know we're not offending um customs and regulations in that country because it's it's obviously not in our interests to send globes out that get returned yeah and and customs um trust me customs um don't um, use white gloves when they handle anything. In fact, they tend, they tend to use machine tools, hammers, and anything possible that will destroy whatever they oh, are looking no. at. After all that work, and then somebody rips into it with a hammer. Oh, no. That'd be heartbreaking. I mean, we're, in, in a way, we're kind of our own worst enemies. One of the, uh, one of the things we do is that we will balance the globe so that when it spins, it comes to a gentle halt. It doesn't go backwards and forwards. And to do that, the easiest way is to use lead weights on the inside of the globe. And this has been going on for decades. It's a traditional thing. They used to actually use lead shot. We actually use um, lumps of lead, which are um, fixed to the inside of the globe. But evidently some customs, um, take an x-ray and wonder what it is. And rather than using a Geiger counter to tell that it's not anything naughty, uh, they just use a hammer. But um, having said that, they, they kind of do know we are, um, when, when we ship to the US, they, customs can do a quick search and they can see that we are an established company and that, um, um, they they kind of we come up on their list, so they they don't think that we're a random a random fly by night company who might be doing something strange. I, I think um, if we get back to that problem with the with the border disputes, I think that um, yeah, that idea that 
maps can just be art is perhaps a little bit naive. I mean, that I see map. We have a small company ourselves, and we make maps, and I see them as art. And I often say to people, I'm not trying to, well, we're not trying to make a political statement here, but I think anytime you're denoting a border or outlining a country in a certain way, you're always making a political statement. And it's very difficult, can be incredibly difficult. And the emotions on both sides or, you know, the the different parties involved is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not something you should take too lightly. No, absolutely. And when we, um, so there is a, there are ways of um, highlighting different seas, for instance, that are, um, can get you in trouble. We, we have a quite a high profile Instagram account. And sometimes when we um, take a, um, take an image, um, I think it's, I'll, I haven't actually got it exactly to hand, but I think it's the East China's, China Sea or the Sea of Japan. And um, perhaps you can check it out. But, but the South Koreans um, call it the Korean Sea, I think. And then the um, Japanese call it the Japanese Sea. Or I, I, I can't quite remember now. I'll, I'll, I, I'll let you know later. But when we do that, we we get a fierce volley of um, emails saying, "This globe is wrong. This globe is wrong. Um, you must change this." And it's um, it is it's quite an emotive thing. But it's no globe is wrong. It's kind of every country views um, the political um, um, denotation of the globe differently. Every country um, has different countries it recognises. And sometimes a country like um, Swaziland recently, the king changed the, the name to Eswatini. Some countries are recognizing that, some aren't. And so we tend to try and be very careful when, um, for instance, we will now put Swaziland, we will now put Eswatini, but in brackets, we will put Swaziland so that people will know. But um, coming back to your borders question, it's... The, the scale of a globe um, means that for borders, it, it's, um, yes, we can get it wrong if um, we denote them incorrectly as a disputed border rather than a fixed border or something like that. But um, on the whole, borders don't really change to an extent um, that they um, it will make a difference on a globe. There's not um, huge things going on. There aren't huge shifts in borders happening country names yes but um occasionally but but borders per se that's that's not going on um dramatically and and even when it does finding finding that information is um and finding numerous bits of information where things are changing is it's a challenging thing and it's a fun thing to try and keep on top of because um Things change without any great fanfare and all of a sudden your map is out of date. If you go into any map store or globe store in, um, in London, I could, I could find so many errors because it, it's one of those things. Um, apart from the fact that they could be just merely outdated, but just keeping up to date with changes that are going on in the world, mountains, uh, names, changes changing states in India change all the time and then new states appear in India and things like that. It, it's quite a, um, so, so how do you keep up to date with all that? 
I mean, I'm assuming it's not just sitting down reading the local newspaper once a week and trying to figure out what's changed. Um, well, there isn't any international body that, that really comes to our rescue. So I'm afraid it is keeping our noses to the ground and seeing what is going on in the world. I mean, I um, things do um, get noticed the whole time and we are constantly updating our cartography anyway so we are constantly checking um things but when we know something is on the radar we will um we will keep our ears to the ground to to make sure that we know that's happening um but it's there isn't um there will be um country specific bodies that do things but they don't really put their information out there it often is just through um through um, reading um, reading websites or reading news websites to see geographical changes, it's one of those things that um, some some news organisations actually kind of have departments, I guess that that see that as valuable news. Um, certainly, um, I the some of the um, UK newspapers you you can often find territorial disputes even though they, they evidently don't have a a department within the newspaper that, that has that as its remit but it's something that they um, they're aware of but um, I mean we could we could never employ enough people to constantly be going out there and finding um, changes were it not that the information actually gets into the public domain relatively um relatively quickly and and in a way it's it is relatively visible when that happens it's not um when things change usually a country wants to announce yeah it. yeah but it's, i guess it's just a matter of hearing that announcement i guess this is also probably not a, a side of globe making that, that people would really think about too much i mean when i look at your website for example i as i said before i, I see a whole bunch of artists and craftspeople standing around making these beautiful objects and it you know it looks like a, a test of skill and patience and not so much a test of your political understanding but uh, from what i understand now from what you're saying that that's very much a part of it no that absolutely is that that to me, that's one of the most important roles that I have in the company. I obviously have a, a team of um, talented, um, but on the whole, young artists who probably are not uh, keeping up with current affairs and things like that. That's uh, that's something that I enjoy doing anyway. But it, it's it's something that I have to do um, as part of the. Um, as, as part of the company that it, that's really definitely important. um is there any globes or projects that you've worked on that really stand out for you that, that this was something special maybe in the design or or because someone ordered it for a, a certain um celebration or a situation or a certain location is, is there anything that really stands out um i mean there, there are so many interesting ones we work with for our bases we work with some amazing people i work with the chief engineer for Aston Martin heritage cars um, to, to create aluminium bases. But um, I think one of the nicest ones, I mean, it, it's always amazing making a Churchill globe, but one, one of the best ones was um, a globe we made for a German 
um, gentleman, and his um, his daughter had actually commissioned it, and they had gone back through six decades of his of his life. So they had something representing um, his life from 1948 up until 2017, um, and and then I went over to Germany and um, kind of um, presented it to him, and it was just it was such a wonderful. He's a, I mean, I, I don't really hold on. Um, I can talk about it, but it doesn't in terms of who it's going to, but I don't think that's important. Um, but ultimately, it, he's led an amazing life and has an incredible company in Germany. Um, but it was, it was made to go in, uh, to go into a museum, but he kind of fell in love with it. Um, so much so that it's now in his office. And um, he um, apparently um, is um, in awe of it and, and loves it. It's kind of, for for me, making um, making our globes and seeing what they look like at the end, and then delivering them to each customer, and then probably eighty percent or more customers sending us back a photo of their globe in situ is that's the best thing about what we do, and that beats doing any special. Um, art project or we've made we've made egg-shaped globes for a charity before which is wonderful and that uh, has made um tens of thousands for charity but it's it's the fact that when <clears throat> we really make people smile when they receive their globe i've i've never bought anything before in my life where i have where i've written back to the company after i've received the item and said thank you very much this is amazing here's a photo of me wearing it or whatever in situ i've never ever done that and we we have so many photos of globes all over the world we had one um a couple of days ago and the globe is on the 35th floor overlooking central park in in situ and it's kind of um it's pretty amazing that people are so um so taken with what um, what they receive that they're and, well, so if happy you can to put do your that. Finger on the one thing that makes the difference. What what or is that is that even possible? Because I'm I'm thinking that there's there's lots of other globes out there. I mean, you could go to Amazon if you want and buy a globe. Now, I'm not in any way comparing that kind of product to what you make, but I'm just wondering if you had to say, okay, this is the thing that makes the difference. Is it the time that goes into it? The effort? Is it the the, the detail of it? Is it the fact that for the in the case of this um, German gentleman that you went to his house and said, "Here, I've, you know, we made this for you." Um, I think it's the the love that has gone into it, but I I think it's also the fact that so many of um, our customers are involved in the making from the beginning because they are um, they're adding detail to the map, um, they're adding their little town. I I don't know where you're from but if you add your local little town onto the map and then you suddenly see this on a globe it kind of on the one hand looks incongruous but on the other hand it looks amazing having a little village next just outside london or something um that's added to the map and because people are so involved in the whole um project they they are part of it they are ultimately 
they are one of the cogs in the wheel that makes the that makes the finished product and so they um i think that's the difference every, everything else um every i guess every other globe out there is finished and you just buy an end product this is um so personal to people and i think i think that's probably um the thing that yeah and to be honest i can't so really think of, i'm sitting here trying to think of another product or or item or service that you buy over such a long time period like six months i think you said six months for one of the smaller globes and, and I'm, I'm assuming significantly longer for a big church or one but i can't quite think of a product or service that you're so involved in and that you're a part of whole all the way through the process no, I, whenever i say that i'm always i'm always thinking in the back of my mind there must be another product there must be another product and that that there are, I'm sure. I just, um, I'm the same. I kind of, um, there aren't, there aren't really that many. Um, I mean, even you could, I suppose, if you think of a suit, when you're getting a suit um, made by a tailor, um, and that's all fitted to you and, and things, but it's not, it's not quite the same because ultimately, a blue print pinstripe suit with three extra pockets is a blue pinstripe suit with three extra pockets. It's not really, it doesn't have um things to do with you and, and things to do with only you that's the the wonderful thing about this it, it's um the globe when it arrives is people are buying them and they they're already deciding um who they're going to give it to um <laughs> later on or who who they i can't remember the word you use but um no they're they're already deciding um who who they can gift it to out of their children and they're really um they're so invested in it because it's um in a way i suppose it, it kind of becomes a, a legacy for people um it's something they can gift on that's really never going to be given away why would you give away a globe that is um both personal to you but equally if your mother or father um gives you a, a globe um, and it has details about your family and things on, that's a wonderful thing to be able to pass yeah, down. Yeah, and it's like you're saying, it's completely unique. So, so why why would you give it away? And I think so there's something, in, like in general, there's something yeah. very special about maps. There's something special about that perspective. It's something special about seeing your place in the world and seeing where you come from and, and in case of a globe, the world as a whole and seeing how things fit together and how they relate. So yeah, I think it's a, it must be an incredible gift to get something like this. Yeah. And beyond the individualness and the personalization of it, it is a thing that constantly um, makes you think about um, things. You're, we're bombarded with um, news stories about global warming and you have a globe in your house and it kind of it really does make you think about it um but equally going going on holiday when you're going on holiday you might map the route that the plane is going to go or see the shortest route um two slightly juxtapos juxtaposed stories but um it does um it comes into daily um daily life so often it's such a uh, such an interesting thing because you you're constantly if if you listen to any news broadcast there's so often a reference to 
even if it's just the country where things are happening. There's a reference to the a globe <laughs> somewhere in there. I'd like to, to pose another question here. Now, there's a movement in the world at the moment, and I'm sure if you've been spending any time on Instagram or the other social media channels and been posting anything to do with cartography or geography, you, you will have heard of it. And it's this idea that the world is flat. You work with globes. You make beautiful custom globes. How would you respond to a person who, who supports this idea? On the whole, I would probably <laughs> respond in a way that you won't want to necessarily broadcast. Um, I kind of think just do year five physics or, um, I don't know, it's so blatantly obvious that it's not, um, that it's, I, I, I can't really imagine having a conversation with someone who takes it seriously. Um, I guess it's fun to always have interesting conversations. I, I think you're pro I think maybe you're a bit like me. You support the idea of playing devil's advocate sometimes and thinking critically about about things and theories. But I, I think for that one there, I have a really hard time with it, I have to admit. I think it's an interesting thought um, experiment. But uh, no, nothing more for me. Well, what does the what does the future look like for for you and your company? Where are you going? What are you most excited about? Um, I mean, we're we're constantly doing new products, um, new ranges, um, trying to trying out different ways of um, presenting the globe, and um, that's something that constantly drives us on. We're looking at going old school and starting to make um, a series of globes using traditional um, printing um, methodology where you're using copper plates. Um, we're doing, um, we're constantly looking for new, um, new things to do. But I think for, for me, it's getting the company to a level where it, um, is a, a good level where it can maintain itself. I mean, we have um, we have a long order book, but that's obviously something that has to be maintained, and so that's important. And and making sure that um, it has solid foundations. Beyond that, I'm sure um, in a few years' time we will no doubt um, put our minds to to perhaps um, doing other things. But I I think. It's such an interesting thing we're doing, um, and it throws up so many challenges every single day. We are, for at the moment, we're making a new sized globe, um, quite a large globe, 65 centimeters, which sits in between two that we do. And that is bringing up new challenges every day that we are trying to um, resolve. And when you're constantly challenged at work, you you don't need to be looking for the next big thing. You you actually, um, you have an amazing thing you're trying to work out every single day. And that's, I think for, for me, certainly, that's what makes this job so interesting. The fact that it just, it's, I can't turn up at work half-hearted and at 30% and, and think the day is going to run smoothly. I have to be on, on my A game every 
every single day, as does everyone else. And it, it's um, it's it's both a fantastic environment to work in, but it's also a really challenging environment. And and that's what that's what keeps it interesting. And so um, there isn't there isn't like a something inside me looking for the next best thing i'm as far as i'm concerned i'm doing the next best that sounds great that sounds like it's the way it should be and it sounds like that that uh, this work environment this this thing that you're doing is going to continue providing enough challenges for for years to come peter we're slowly but surely coming to uh, the end of our time together i really want to thank you for taking the time to to talk to me and talk to us and for and and for telling us about uh, your business and what you're up to and the, these beautiful works of art, these beautiful globes that you make. Uh, where, where can people go to learn more about you? Um, on the whole, if they just go to our website, um, which is um, www.bellerby.co, all written A-N-D-C-O.com, um, they can check out our website or they can just type um, bespoke globes into Google and I think we come up one to ten um, or if they would like to see them in person um, there are some available in, um, in certainly in London um, they can be seen in Harrods but other than that um, you have to know one of the um, I think it's about 1,800 people around the world who um, who have one um, which is a that also is a pretty, um, pretty cool thing. There are not yet 2000 globes out there. Um, and so you'll kind of, you'll never run into one. Well, great. I'll make sure to um, supply all those links and, and further information in the show notes uh, so people can check it out if they're interested. Peter, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My, my pleasure. I hope I've made some sense in that. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Peter as much as I enjoyed making it. As always, a complete transcript of um, these podcasts are available at mapscaping.com slash blog slash podcast. And we would highly appreciate any feedback you have for us. So please contact us on all of the ways, the social media channels, we're there, mapscaping.com. Thank you. Talk to you soon.